What makes a ghost story believable? We're three Northwestern undergrads on a journey to discover just that. Driving through the American Northeast, touring haunted sites, and uncovering the paranormal, this is Spirited. We were three weeks into our journey through the haunted Northeast. Three weeks spent driving, camping in national forests, and most importantly, touring paranormal sites. And yet we were three weeks in with still no firsthand ghost sightings. Entering our final destination, we were hopeful that North Adams might just be the place. We drove in at nightfall, originally planning to camp in a national forest not far from our haunted site. Then we decided we'd treat ourselves to a hotel instead. But when our only option was an overpriced stay at the Howard Johnson, our team decided we'd just stay up all night. Unfortunately for us, however, Northern Massachusetts hosts approximately zero 24-hour diners. And so, getting a little desperate, our team slept in the Corolla on the side of a county road and then washed up at a family restaurant the next morning. Somehow, this aspect of the journey got us more excited for North Adams than I think anything could have. We even hiked a mountain the day before our interview. Our team wanted to understand the local vernacular and what North Adams was all about. Despite being a small industrial city, we were wrapped up in its local culture. And while most people view the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art as North Adams' cultural stronghold, Our team found something fantastic in a lesser-known place of history and prominence, the Houghton Mansion. Albert Charles Houghton, otherwise known as A.C., was an American businessman born in the mid-1800s. He was married, had four children, but most of his adult life was dedicated to business and public service. He was even elected the first mayor of North Adams. Legend has it, however, that Houghton switched up his lifestyle as he got a little older. He became much more focused on family, and even bought a car in 1914 for the family to use. Unfortunately, that car is a central piece to the Houghton family tragedy. It was a late summer's day. Houghton decided to go for a drive with his beloved daughter Mary, a few family friends, and their trusted servant, John Witters, who drove the car. Creeping through the steep roads of northern Massachusetts, the crew ran into some construction. In an attempt to drive around the chaos, Witters steered the car onto slippery ground. In a moment, everything changed. The car rolled down a steep embankment, thrusting everyone outside the vehicle except for Mary. One of Houghton's friends was killed immediately when the car rolled over her. Mary, still inside, suffered intense injuries. Houghton rushed her to the North Adams Hospital, where she soon died. Witters... He felt such immense grief and guilt for steering the car into danger that he did the unimaginable. Just days after Houghton's friend and daughter died, John Witters killed himself on the Houghton family property. Consumed by a broken heart, A.C. Houghton died within 10 days of the tragedy. 
But that wasn't the end of the Houghton legacy by any means. Cordelia Houghton, AC's wife, continued on as the head of house, and the mansion stayed within the family until the late 1920s, when the Houghtons sold it to none other than the Freemasons. It stayed with the Secret Society ever since, and our team had the honor of being guided through the mansion by a Mason. It was a balmy late summer's day, not unlike the day when tragedy struck the Houghton family so long ago. Our tour guide's name was Brother Jeff, a member of the North Adams Freemasons Lodge and vice president of the North Adams Masonic Association. Brother Jeff started off our tour by talking about his personal paranormal experiences in the Houghton Mansion. And so I'm upstairs, I'm going through all these records and I'm digging through things and I hear a door slam down here. And I prefer to work during the day because there's no one here, everybody else is working. So I come downstairs and there's nothing here. I check all the windows and doors, it's a calm day, like today. Not really a lot of uh, uh, wind or you know any disturbance, anything that you would indicate that doors be shut or be opening and closing and whatnot. So I checked everything, went back upstairs, because I also have security concerns. I'm here by myself. I'm not worried about me, but if I inadvertently left the door unlocked, people can come in here and, gee, yeah, yeah uh, we'll leave it to your imagination. <laughs> Uh, so I go back upstairs, I continue my work, uh, I hear a door slam again, I come down. It really sounded like this one, uh, because it's one of the heaviest doors in the house, plus it's the closest to the interior. Uh, so I hear it again, I come back down, check everything, nothing. I go up and about 10 minutes later, it slams again, so I come down and I check everything. And I basically... Uh, spoke up and said, knock that shit off. After that, it was, I didn't have any further slamming or anything. I just went back up and did my thing. He moved on to others' experiences at the mansion. You know, and it seems that we've had certainly many psychics in the house, a lot of sensitives in the house, and some of the same stories seem to reoccur. The basement, there's uh, an older gentleman and a young girl down there they call Laura. Laura was actually a Houghton, and she died in the about the age of four, but that was when they were up still up in Vermont and uh, had no have no connection to the house other than the family name and the family. And we don't actually believe it's Laura. Uh, we believe it may be the care, uh, caretaker's daughter because there's another gentleman down there uh, that has was a caretaker. My belief is he is a caretaker, but his. It's an unpleasant, an unhappy energy, and you know we get numerous accounts of this. Could you describe what exactly you mean when you say sensitives? Sensitives, uh, at least I call them sensitives. I think that may be uh, a term used by investigators, but those are people that have abilities to feel things and to visualize things and be aware of things that may otherwise go unnoticed by me or someone who uh, has no paranormal experience or just has a whole bunch of paranormal but doesn't experience those things. Now, as you can see, the, there was a fair amount of disposable income the Houghtons had, as you can yeah. well imagine. We start our tour through the mansion. I really want to emphasize how grand this place is. It's certainly old, but the Freemasons have done a great job at keeping the Houghton Mansion alive. There are three floors, as well as a substantial basement. 
There's also an addition on the mansion built by the Masons. The first floor is meant more for business, with a formal study and a ballroom. They're rooms that the public are welcome to see. Upstairs, the rooms are a little more secluded, secretive. Let's go up to the second floor. Beautiful stairway. Yes, you know, once again, you know, delineated from the public part of the house. I suppose I should digress and talk more about the Freemasons. Prior to visiting the Houghton Mansion, I never really understood the secret society. To be entirely honest, I kind of opposed it. It felt like a boys club. Walking into the Freemasons' lodge, I was even a bit uncomfortable. The Freemasons are a fraternal organization. What started in the 14th century as a regulatory organization for medieval craftsmen would eventually become an international stronghold of power and secrecy. Historically, membership with the Freemasons is selective. Masons must believe in a supreme higher power, must be male, and must not discuss politics or religion within the lodge. Beyond all of this, the Freemasons simply maintain an air of mystery and conspiracy, power. We asked Brother Jeff more about what Freemasonry means in practice. And the only requirement is uh, that uh, you be a freeborn male, I'll get to that in a minute, that uh, uh, you are a good character and believe in a higher being, whether it's, uh, it, it's not, you don't have to be a Catholic or a Christian or anything, I just believe in a higher power. There was a split uh, about 200 years ago where they're not, what do they call, they're non-regular Masonic lodges that accept women. And it started in France, and there are non-regular Masonic lodges here in uh, the United States. Uh, I don't, I understand history, but I don't buy that a woman can't be a Freemason, so I'm kind of a heretic. You know, that there's no reason why a freeborn woman, and that harkens back to, you know, freeborn being non-slave, that, uh, okay, it's 21st century, folks. Yeah. And this is heresy. Somebody, some people, oh, no, it's always been that way. Well, you know what? It's always been that way. It's always been the justification of a dying organization. Oh, it's always been done that way. You can't explain to me why it's good, that in theory that you can double your your uh, uh, your lodge numbers by admitting women, and we don't do any weird shit here. What you do is you become a mason, is you come in and you go through what are its rituals. You become in as an entered apprentice, you're passed to a fellow craft, and become a master mason. What that is is just an is, uh, an educational process, and you we do secret ceremonies like the Knights of Columbus, the uh, Fellows, the Elks, the Eagles, and that. You know, it's just a commitment to be a decent person and enjoy people's company. That's basically... So that's what masonry means today, in areas of New England at least. The rule that members must be born free is still rather concerning. Brother Jeff seemed to recognize that on our tour. The Freemasons are still far from achieving equity, it seems. We headed into the actual temple, and it was almost shocking. It was huge and dramatic. Coming to the Houghton Mansion, I didn't expect the temple to be an actual temple. There are pictures on our website, spiritedpodcast.com, if you're interested in seeing these images. 
Seeing the grand wall of this room, I felt like I understood the Freemasons just a little bit more. Understood A.C. Houghton more, too. Finally, our team headed into the basement, the paranormal stronghold of the Houghton Mansion. If Jeff hadn't told us that this was where most paranormal activity occurred, I think we would have reasoned that anyways. The basement, it just felt unpleasant. It felt filled with some kind of energy. So this is one of the spots that we would do a lot down here. This is where we would have the toys in the center. We have Halloween candy and we would be really quiet here and this is one of the uh, areas where we get activity and you'd see the, the dolly and the rocking chair move and you'd see a lot of light activity and balls would roll around so, you know, the doll rocking, the chair rocking with the doll and it was probably the most dramatic and it wasn't a, you know, back and forth thing, it just did it once. And, you know, I've heard all the scientific theory about, you know, when you get a whole group of people together, the mass hypnotic people will see things and convince themselves they see things because they're with a whole bunch of other stuff. My background is law enforcement. I was a cop for 28 years. So I look at things and try to piece what goes together, and I don't rely on feelings when I'm doing my investigations. So, to me, when I saw it, I saw it. I mean, there's no, no hypnosis when I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm not staring at it. And that's the mansion. That's the lodge. See, this leg of our journey feels different and final. We might have learned more about the Freemasons than we did about ghosts, but talking to Brother Jeff about his belief in the paranormal, our team comes to realize the importance of legacy. We asked him exactly what paranormal belief looks like to him. Would you say that you believe in ghosts? I believe in I believe in energy, uh, and because I'm not sure what a ghost is, I believe that you know. Once again, as I'd mentioned, that with my background, I've seen death in a lot of different guises, and I've seen it the actual time when it does, when it takes someone, and that's energy. Where does that energy go? Physics tells us that it has to morph into something other than what it is. Is so, you know, like the log in the fireplace thing. It, uh, you know, at least that's my belief that uh, just using physics, basic high school physics tells me that, okay, where does that go? He's logical, cites spirits as existing as a mere result of physics. So they're selling the lodge, as Jeff says. There's too much house to maintain, too much money to pay. Brother Jeff is really affected by this. You can tell. He loves the Houghton Mansion, loves the history of it. You know, people would often mention they come in here for the first time and spend a couple hours on a tour and feel right at home. It's kind of like the way I felt when I got here. I'm just glad you had an opportunity to come. Because I don't know what's going to be. It may be open for public tours. You know, I have no idea. And, uh, but I guess I'm just hopeful that whoever takes over the custodianship because you don't own a building like this. I've owned Victorian homes, big grand things. You you don't own a building like this. It's going to be here long after you and I are gone. You're a custodian. You're supposed to keep it. You're supposed to leave it in better shape than when you started, and that's it. I mean, it's a, it has a story to tell, and, it's, and it houses a lot of stories. A lot of big people have been here over the years. Yeah. A lot of energies have come in and out. A lot of things have been transacted here, so 
que ser. And so, um, sorry to say that I won't be one of the, uh, the caretakers. The fact that the mansion is on the cusp of new ownership makes our journey here all the more important. And so the Houghton legacy lives on in the North Adams Masonic Temple. The stories of the people who lived here and who died here, they exist as a result of that legacy. They're honored in secret and for the public through the Freemasons. They're believed to be products of physics, of history, of respect. For some people, belief in the paranormal is as simple as paying attention. It's as simple as acknowledging the things we leave behind and attempting to make something better before passing it along. The tragedy that occurred in 1914, the death and heartbreak that was felt, today that's honored at the Houghton Mansion. It's simple, really. Throughout this journey, we've learned a lot about belief. We've seen mystery and conflict and listened as people opened their hearts and spoke transparently about belief. It's a hard topic, really, but through the people we interviewed, we understood and respected their rationale. Belief in the paranormal is about legacy, but it's also about explaining the unexplained, about dealing with tragedy. Most of all, we learned that belief in the paranormal is about experience, human experience. Perhaps the most human part of us all is our ability to accept other people's realities, to empathize with their experience, to believe. And now our team heads back to the Midwest, to our tidy lives at university. Back to a place where fact trumps fiction, and where there's not much room to ponder belief when our lives are spent in lectures. Returning from this journey, however, our team has a new outlook. We've seen parts of the country we didn't realize we were missing out on. We saw amazing sights, explored, climbed mountains, real and metaphorical. And we met so many kind people. Coming from the Midwest, Jared and I had heard that New Englanders could be a little bit colder. But that wasn't the case at all. Each person we met on this journey embraced us, opened their hearts and minds to us. Sharing your story is scary. Sharing your scary story is a little harder. But telling the world why you believe the way you do, well, that takes spirit. We're so grateful to have had this opportunity. Every ounce of it was worth more than we could have imagined. We thank every person we interviewed from the bottom of our hearts. And now we thank you for listening. The people who died in the stories we heard, well, they, they never really died because their legacy continues. Spirited may be concluding, but the heart of this project will keep playing. I believe that. Do you?